Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, Regina's only downtown brewery. So, John, there's been a very interesting discussion in the CFL over the last little while. It's one that has people from coast to coast talking, eyeballs across the nation glued in to find out. And it's a conversation that always seems to get CFL Twitter going. Mm-hmm. And, of course, talking about food. Because yes. there's nothing that CFL Twitter loves to debate more than food, it seems, whether it's butter tarts, you know, this, that. The latest came from our good friend of the show, Fake Gainer. If you missed it, he put out a tweet the other night that had a $10 budget for what you could put on your hot dog. Now, the hot mm-hmm. dog and the bun were already included. All right. So how his business model works where he's giving away hot dogs and buns for free and charging for condiments. I don't know how that would ever fly, but anyway. I think it, I think it could. It's like the bizarro of Fuddruckers. Maybe. Anyway, so there were, he had this long list of ingredients that you could pick from. Obviously, the, you know, the top rung was like your essentials, mustard, yep. ketchup, we'll get into that in a second, and barbecue sauce the highest, and it went all the way down, 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 and then he got roasted from a lot of people, including myself, because he didn't include, in my opinion, the second most important topping for a hot dog, the most important being mustard, the second, mm-hmm. onions, because you know, because he does, apparently, and you thought you knew someone, well, as much as you could know a anonymous rodent on the internet, <laughs> he doesn't like onions. And so I was just like, oh, you thought you knew someone, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. He's all into fitness and stuff, isn't onions? The other thing that he forgot, and I hate shredding him because I've had many conversations over the years with fake gainer. I could have passed him on the street, could have been at the same bar as him. I would have no idea. But every conversation I have, great human being. But he also forgot sauerkraut. Mm-hmm. See, when I am in, although I guess that would probably have a similar taste to onions. Like I could, I could see the disdain for both, but... I am like a very, like, I'm a moody kind of hot dog guy. I love hot dogs more than any grown-ass man probably should. But <laughs> I, some days I'm like, give me ketchup and cheddar cheese. And other days I'm like, slap that mustard on my sauerkraut and call me sauerkraut man. That was a very bad line. That I... I <laughs> I thought I was going with it someplace, and I just there. I I kept talking, and I thought the next word was going to be good, but it just wasn't. Story of your life. Mm, mm-hmm, mm, yes. So you that's how you like your hot dog. For me, I'm still I'm very traditional still when it comes to my hot dogs. Even though I love to explore in the world of food and try different things. For me, mm-hmm. just give me a hot dog that's basically almost burnt in spots. Like you get it on that grill, like super hot or over that open flame. Get it like really black in spots and have it like almost bursting a little bit, you know, and it's overcooked right. a bit even. Just slap that mustard on, and if they're available, sprinkle on a few onions, but even just mustard if you're like just in a backyard summer with some friends and there's no real condiments around per se, I'll survive. But that's very much where I live. I am very much in the no ketchup camp. Mm. Hashtag team mm. no ketchup. Because 
that's always a conversation that comes up when it comes to hot dogs. And to me, no, because, and as John, as you like to say, hot take alert. I think ketchup is one of the most overrated condiments on the planet. That might be the hottest take we've ever had on this podcast. Seriously, like ketchup can't be overrated. Ketchup's like the basics of you put it on your burger, put it on your fries, put it wow, on your hot don't. dogs. I put it on burgers sometimes, and that's about it. I don't put it on my fries. My fries is very vinegar. And from uh, Sarah Mills of CGME, I learned that actually put some vinegar on it, dunk it in mayo. That, that is where it's at. That is delicious. I've done the mayo fries, uh, and I'm starting to see the more and more I do mayo fries, the more and more I'm fully expecting to have to buy a new suit by the time your wedding rolls around because I don't (laughs) think I'll fit any. Yeah, that's possible, especially when you sit at a desk all day doing sleazy car guy stuff. It's it's true. I, I really do. I slick my hair back like eight times with the leftover grease from my mayo fries. <laughs> I'm just picturing that. <laughs> hey, you want to see some wiggle room? I'll show you wiggle room. Wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You think we're going to have a sponsor after this one? Uh, I'm not really looking for any others, but uh, luckily Glenn, the pile of bones, really likes me, so... Uh, <laughs> I think, I think he's going to be willing to overcome this monstrosity of an opening segment that is this show. But, I mean, hey, it's a bye week. So, you know what? We're going to waste a little bit of time talking about absolutely nothing. That's right. And I will show you wiggle room, Glenn. <laughs> anyway, back to the stuff we generally talk about on this show. Um, we're going to get into the game in Edmonton a little bit. I'll talk about some of the positives out of that game and the obvious glaring negative that continues to plague this team. We're going to have to get into Terrell Owens a little bit. I know, John, you're a little revved up on that one. Uh, Super revved. A little news and notes around the league and the team today, at least reportedly, as it looks like they've added a defensive back, a little bit of help back there. And then we'll talk a little bit about around the league as there was a couple of quarterback debuts this week. One went really well, and the other, as I'm sure you all know by now, blew up spectacularly. And uh, we'll have to touch on those a little bit toward the end. But as usual, John... uh, after last week's episode where Justin Dunk decided to have a smoothie, I have decided that he is no longer allowed on this podcast ever again for that choice because fair enough. We do not believe in such healthy decisions around here nope. on the Three Down Greencast. Nope. Uh John, what's in the glass this week? In the glass this week, uh my parents are up. They came up. Uh, they still live in northwestern Ontario near Thunder Bay, so they always bring me a little uh little craft beer present every time they come up. So I'm actually having from Sleeping Giant Brewing Company out in Thunder Bay. I'm having a 360 ale. It's an English ale. It's very good, actually. It's 360 because they say it's the kind of ale. It's not too dark that you feel like you can't drink it in the summer. And it's not too light that it reminds you of the summer. It's it's kind of a nice, happy medium. I'd say it's even an entry-level uh, pale ale for a lot of people. But it's tasty. It tastes good. So good when it touches my lips. Yeah, sounds sounds interesting. Never heard of those, but uh, I mean, I guess something good has to come out of Thunder Bay. So, <laughs> oh, it's, Thunder Bay dig. It's, it's true that place is a absolute ishole. That like two, you go like two blocks, you're like, hey, okay, I'm safe. And the next block over, you're getting mugged. And then like two more, there's like a children's hospital. Yeah, I, I drove through it when I moved out west from Ottawa, and we stayed a night in a hotel and. That was enough Thunder Bay experience for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably had to take shifts, like, staring out your window, making sure your car didn't get broken into. Uh, no. We rested, but it was okay. 
Oh, oof. oof. Yeah. You, you live dangerously, <laughs> Joel Gaston. Uh, I guess so, but I am kind of playing it safe a little bit when it comes to my beer this week. I have the Rebellion Blast Off, which is uh, kind of a golden-style, Pilsner-style sort of easy-drinking beer because it is just too bloody hot to drink anything that is too strong today. <laughs> it's it. No, that's, that's fair. I can have the 360 Ale because I made the best investment a human can make, Central Air. Yeah, well, we all don't have that luxury as I look at this wall unit that's blowing the coldest air possible in my condo and it's still still relatively warm in here but it's it's at least not what it's like outside this is giving me flashbacks to the old podcast i used to do in the one episode where it was disgustingly hot where travis revealed during the middle of the episode on the two and out cfl podcast he was sitting in an upstairs bedroom in his tidy whities sweating while recording i think i remember listening to that one yeah. And then I might have never listened to another episode again. That's 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 fair. Please tell me <laughs> you are at least wearing shorts, Joel Gasson. Oh yes, no, I I I am in like the same shorts and t-shirt that I pretty much wear all the time at a, when I'm at home because I'm one of those people who, unless there's people coming over, as soon as I get home from work, I pretty much change out of like outside clothes into I'm at home clothes because yeah, screw wearing like anything remotely not even close to comfortable at home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I have to wear a suit every day, so it's literally like I'm walking in the door, kicking off my dress shoes. My pants are half down by the time I've even said hello to my wife or son, and it's like, no, got can't do anything. Got to put shorts on first, <laughs> and then it's just bliss. That's fair. I could certainly understand that. I've never had to wear a suit to work, thankfully, but uh, if that was the case, I would definitely probably lose my mind. But I, I don't have to. I just look so good wearing one. Yeah, it's debatable. <laughs> Should we talk football now? Yeah, so debatably, a team who looked good or not the other day was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and there's a lot we can get into with this game when it comes to that one against the Edmonton Eskimos. First and foremost, and I touched on this in my column after the game, I wanted to almost make it like the base of my entire column, but I couldn't quite flush it out enough in my head before I wrote. But just what an overall enjoyable football game that was to watch because the the one before it okay yes there was the 80 points in the toronto ottawa game and you know that's fun in its own way but in terms of just hard-nosed strong fun football to watch where two teams were just gutting it out all game long against each other that game against edmonton you give me that at least once a week in the cfl i'm gonna be happy because that was just an enjoyable football game to watch Oh, certainly. It had, the, it had the, the great line that the defense was good enough that every play seemed to matter, but the offense could still produce. It wasn't mm-hmm. one of those, you know, I, I like defensive football, and I know guys have ripped me before for saying I want to see the scores get rung up, but I like feeling like there's a chance for the offense on every possession. There's a sense of danger on every possession, and sometimes an offense is just so bad or a defense is just so good, you just don't get that. But I found, like, I felt like truly every snap of the ball, a great play was going to be made either way by both teams. And you're right. I don't want, I, I like high scoring games. They have a purpose when guys are going back and forth. But you're right. Give me that, give me that Riders Edmonton game. Like, give me that, give me that four times a week. Yeah, there was, there was a, there was a good balance between legitimately really good defensive football and yet there was still some big plays that were made offensively as well because you do need that sprinkled in a little bit so there you know, there oh, was yeah. the big catch from Jerron Carter basically is only one of the game the 41 yard touchdown and there was that ridiculous circus catch that Darrell Walker made in in the end zone there you all you could really do is 
tip your cap on that one. He was essentially oh, yeah. in double coverage. The defense was in great spot to make a play there. Mike Riley just made a ridiculous throw, and Walker just made a ridiculous catch, and there was, there was nothing you could have done about that other than, like, yep, good job. Yeah. Oh, certainly. So there's... We obviously saw how well the defense played, and that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Um, I was very much on the rider bandwagon heading into that game. If you heard me and Dunk the week last week, we, we talked a lot about how we felt that game was there for the taking for the riders. And because of the play of their defense, as usual, I mean, through, I think it was through the first three quarters, Mike Riley only completed like six passes or something. Yeah. If I'm correct on that one. Like it, was, it, was, it was a very absurdly low number for the guy who is maybe the leading MOP candidate right now in the league. Well, and even when you look at his total passing stats, he only had 275 yards through the air, which... And a lot, of them, most... were, a lot of them were on like bulk plays. Like there was long passes down the field. There wasn't like he built up 200 yards through a series of short passes or anything. Yeah, I mean, he only had, pardon me, it was 257 yards. He only had 13 completions on the entire night. Like, that rider defense did their did their job. And as you were alluding to, Joel, just a few, a couple breakdowns to guys, again, like Darrell Walker, that can just burn you uh, on, on one chance, one blown play. But that was the joy of that night that, you know, the defense was so good, but yet there was still that potential for something spectacular to happen and, but you're right, Mike Riley looked the closest he has to looking human, I would say. Well, geez, I can't remember the last time. And he didn't he didn't look bad. No. He looked like a very good quarterback. He just looked he didn't look like the superstar that he is. No, and, and that's Calgary's defense understandably gets a lot of credit for that, but the Riders have quietly done that a little bit too. They Jeremiah Mazzoli was the talk of the league before he faced the Ryder defense. Mike yeah. Riley got completely slowed down by the Ryder defense. And they were, it was almost from what I saw watching the game, it was, there was almost a similar attention they paid to Mike Riley as they did Masoli. And Duncan, and I talked about this last week where they had, it's very much going to come down to getting pressure on Riley, but keeping him contained as well, because we know how dangerous he can be when he gets out of the pocket and starts to improvise. So they were able to get pressure on Riley, but it was very fast, very efficient pressure that made sure that, okay, we're on him. Now he can't escape, and he didn't. And that's really, to me, what looked like the biggest reason why they were able to contain him for the most part. And, of course, Nick Marshall and the DBs, they played a great game as well. There's no question. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't think it's a question that the DBs had their strongest showing of the year when the guy who should be playing receiver and proved it yet again was playing offense. He was playing offense. Uh, you probably wouldn't have noticed for the most part as he wasn't really thrown to a lot, especially in the first half. Um, he was quoted after the game as saying him and Naaman were more or less just watching the game. And I know he took a little bit of heat for that, but he's speaking the truth. And I, I can't fault him for that. And he's saying what's on his mind. And it's not wrong. No. He was, he, he was injected back into the offense. And no offense to Williams Lambert, who had a strong and great game. But if the Riders are going to win games, they need Deron Carter and Naaman Roosevelt to be the centerpieces of that offense. Now, whether that was Edmonton's defense did a great job shutting those two guys down or not, I don't know. I would have to really rewatch the game from probably an angle that we can't get to see yeah. just how well the secondary worked on those two and how they worked together in conjunction with the linebackers to make that work. So maybe the Edmonton defense deserves some credit too there. But at some point... When you have, especially a guy like Jerron Carter on offense, you have that playmaking ability. At some point in the game, just throw it up and see if he can make a play. And they didn't do that. 
Well, and I think maybe part of that is, too, is it takes a while to build as a quarterback to build up that degree of trust with with even somebody with a talent to Ron Carter that, you know, you can just throw it up to a higher situation. And at worst, he's going to make an athletic play and break it up. And at best, he's going to make a circus catch. And, you know, here's Zach Caleros, a guy that's missed a pile of time and didn't play a lot in the preseason. He's really only had practices to get to know these guys and know Roosevelt, know Carter, who are unique talents that you just have to treat in a different way in your offense. I mean, Caleros kind of has to get a feel for it, too. I was really impressed the way he looked. Again, mm-hmm. I would say solid but not spectacular uh, through large stretches of, of that game as well. But, I mean, having a competent quarterback, I mean, we're starting to see what the drop-off level is between Caleros and anybody else the Riders have on the roster. And I think that'll just continue to grow as Caleros stays healthy, hopefully, knock on wood, and starts to build a little bit of that chemistry with the guys that, you know, go ahead, chuck it up, chuck it to the spot that only Carter can can catch it and see if he can get there, make a one-handed grab or something like that. Yeah, that, that's certainly a fair point that Claros hasn't had the time, at least in-game time with these guys yet, so that's certainly something to take into consideration. And yeah, I, I thought you he looked like a quarterback in that game. You saw the confidence. You saw just the difference between him and Brandon Bridge right now. And that's no slight to Bridge. He's just not there yet. And I don't yeah. know. I think I almost, I almost think more now for Bridge, it's in between the ears at this point. I think yeah. everything went so south so fast for him this year that he just hasn't recovered yet. So maybe he just needs a few weeks off. He needs some time before he sees the field again this year if he has to in any sort of meaningful capacity. So if you're the Riders, you obviously you hope he doesn't have to because that means Zach Claros is starting every game the rest of the year. And that, that will make a difference for this offense going forward. But there was still the offense lost them this football game. This football yes. game was there for the taking. The special teams were solid. The defense played out of its mind. Everything was lined up. All the offense had to do was find literally, and I wrote it about it in the piece on 3downnation.com, literally probably one extra inch, and they probably win that football game. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, that was really a turning point. You know, watching the back of quarterback, it's stuffed right at, right at the line. When you thought, okay, he's definitely in, and and there was uh, they they went for it twice. I, I, I and it just seemed like Edmonton's defense stepped up. And I know a lot of people were saying, well, take the points, take the points, take the points. No, I'd love aggressive football. No, I, I, I have absolutely no problem both times at the goal line for Chris Jones saying, no, we're going for it because in that spot, a hundred times out of a hundred, you're going for it. I don't care. Yes. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, your worst your worst case scenario is you're turning the ball over with them at their one, and you're leading your you know top caliber defense. You're letting them try to stop a team from their one yard line, and and let's face it, the one time that they did turn it over turned into a safety touch. I mean, they conceded mm. the safety in the back of the end zone. So realistically, you're kicking for three, you're scoring two because your defense is that good. Um, I just that Edmonton defense just it was bend but don't break at that moment, and they were not letting the Riders score. Um, no matter what, I was just, I was impressed by both those goal line stands by that Edmonton defense, but you're right that that rider offense, maybe an inch, maybe an inch. And it's a totally different football game. And, and I hate to say it too, going back to the mistake that was made pregame, Chris Jones is one of the highest paid coach in the league outside of maybe Mark Tressman. He probably has the biggest coaching staff in the league. He probably has a bunch of people there that barely make any money that sit there whose job it is to check the damn roster. How hard is it? You know the guy was on the six-game list. You submit the wrong roster. What, one of the nine quality control assistants couldn't get it right? Like, ugh. I was starting... 
even though the riders are looking much better and we're being generally positive, which I don't know what your haters are going to say on three down nation. I know what mine are going to say. The team is looking better in spite of Chris Jones, not because of Chris Jones at this point to me. I think the McAdoo offense has started to figure it out. You've got Deron Carter playing where he should be. But you've got a head coach, a very highly paid head coach and personnel man. Like, he's the head coach of the GM. He knows he put his guy on the injured list. Going out making mistakes like that before a big game, like, that can't be happening. Like, ah. It can't, no. But ah, for some reason, out of the things that have, have happened under Chris Jones, this is one that for some reason, I don't know why, it doesn't really reach a level for me. Like, I feel right. like something, there was obviously an innocent mistake that happened here by someone, and I get all of what you're saying, and I get what everyone is saying about this, but you know what? You look at a thousand depth charts a year. How many times have you looked at the same document over and over and over again and missed something, and all of a sudden it comes back later, and you realize you screwed something up? Like, yeah, but in but, fairness, though, I get paid really well to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, because I have to. I have to look at the same. I can tell you off the back of my hand what that Nissan Canada contract looks like, and I look at hundreds of bills of sales a day, hundreds of contracts that all look the exact same. And if I get any of those numbers wrong, I'm held accountable, and that's why I'm paid well. And it's the same thing with Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and maybe that's why I have less sympathy as a guy that my life, my livelihood depends on my ability to catch errors before submitting them to the bank, whatever it may be, you know, you'd have to think that I I get it. I understand where you're coming from, but I I just, I don't know. Maybe I have a a total lack of sympathy because that's how I make my living. Yeah, that's fair. And like I said, I I understand where you're coming from. For me, it just, I don't know, maybe because the defense still played really well. And this was not a mistake that ultimately cost them the football game. It's not really one that really grinds my gears, so to speak. It's just, it's a thing that happened. I'm sure there'll be extra meticulous going forward about it. And you know what? Basically, stuff happens is pretty much what I, that's how I feel about yeah. this. That's why I didn't really make too much of a big deal about it. I mean, it's a mistake. It's something that happened. It's something that has to be corrected, and I'm sure it will be. But otherwise, I don't know. It just gets a big old shrug for me. But that's yeah. that's just how I yeah. feel about it. I think to me, as a guy that's been questioning what Chris Jones has been doing, um, for a while now i think that's just you know adding to my to my case file and that's not even the thing i'm most sparked up about this week involving chris jones no we know we know (laughs) so the riders are on their bye week now but that doesn't mean that they haven't made some news today um they signed luch reportedly from tsn have signed luchez portafoy which seems to be a good move he's also said i like that move he also has on his twitter account that he's a member of the riders now so i guess that basically uh, assumes that one um that's just good depth for the secondary which they have needed for a while so at least this is a guy that's played in the cfl has been around someone's going to get hurt at some point and now there's at least a couple bodies here where someone gets hurt oh deron carter doesn't have to play secondary now no and and you're absolutely right i like that signing and 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 as soon as ottawa had released him i i thought that was one of the riders should should go after they did they made a good move and like you said, more more depth to prevent another Deron Carter on defense debacle. Try saying that ten times fast. Um, I'm I'm on board with all day long. 
And since they are on their bye week, I'm sure we're not going to actually hear about this officially until next week. But nonetheless, right. it looks like it's done, and that's that's a good move. The move that really has, well, not even really the move, so to speak, a an event, I'll call it, that has people talking is Chris Jones appearing at a workout where some guy named Terrell Owens happened to be running on the football field at the time. And, Never heard of him. Yeah, some guy, I don't know. Apparently he just went into some Hall of Fame or something. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so d- big deals being made about this. Um, for me, the way I look at this decision is, to me, it's nothing at this point. To me, it's, okay, I was... Th- to take you behind the curtain a little bit, Justin Dunk texted me and he's like, do you have a take on this? So I was like, my take mm. would just be... Of course, the writers worked him out. And that's basically would be the entire article. It'd be like five words. Because <laughs> Chris Jones has an affinity for shiny objects, as we've seen over the years, with big-name NFLers or big-name NCAA guys and trying to make it work. Now, in this case, nothing's official. It doesn't really look like anything's going to come of it, I don't think. So, to me, I'm like, okay, they worked him out. And in fairness... There was a couple other guys working out there as well that they could have, that Chris Jones could have been checking out in theory as well. But of course, Owens is going to get all the attention. So right. for me, this is another thing where I'm like, okay, it kind of fits the Chris Jones MO that I blasted him for, where they haven't been building towards sustained success. He just gets shiny objects and, you know, the whole thing. But ultimately, to me, I'm like, unless they sign him to some kind of significant deal, <sighs> it's a workout. I don't care. See, and I do. And the reason I do is it shows that he he has his head in the sand because of his affinity for shiny objects. He's not thinking about the long-term growth of, of this football team. And, and hell, looking at a guy like Terrell Owens with the name like that, he's not even thinking of the short-term success of his football team. It just it, it, It's so freaking hypocritical, hypocritical that when he cuts Bakari Grant and Rob Bay, Two guys, getting a little long in the tooth in the CFL, but both still productive. He cuts them and says this is a young man's game. And next thing you know, he's kicking the tires on a 44-year-old Terrell Owens. Because, again, he's a shiny object. If you really think that your receivers need some help, if you think you need an American receiver to come in and and help things out, Bakari Grant had nearly 1,100 yards receiving for you last year. By every fancy statistic that's thrown out by TSN's Derek Taylor, he was arguably one of the best receivers in the league last year. And instead, he's out working out Terrell Owens. Rob Bag is probably selling crop insurance someplace, and instead he's working out Terrell Owens. I just, I know why he did it. And I know, I understand you saying there's no harm, but it just, it shows a deeper a deeper sense of, of this guy has no idea what he's doing two weeks from now with this football team when it comes to the personnel. Like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of these smart signings were, are being made by Murphy and O'Day, but it just seems like Chris Jones wants to go in. And I mean, you bring in Trent Richardson. Great. He wins you a football game. That's great. Wins you a football game. And then just disappears, nursing some sort of ankle injury. Now wants to go play in a different league, right? You bring in Vince Young. Could things have been different for Vince if he didn't get hurt? I don't know. It's just, it seems like I'm surprised the Riders didn't make a trade offer for Johnny Manziel at this point. 
I just I don't know what Chris Jones is doing. I don't know if Chris Jones knows what he's doing, and it's a problem. He's got to give up one of the titles. Their focus on making personnel moves, which he's never had a track record of doing very well at, or coach the football team. I, I, I don't disagree with that in theory. I think the jury is very much still out on Chris Jones' football operations guy, and there's a part of me that has been sitting on it, and I've been waiting for you know the disaster to strike where I can finally actually write the piece where I think that Chris Jones got too much too fast, where it was a point mm-hmm. where, okay, if he's general manager, that's fine. He needs a VP or a president of football ops above him just to kind of read him through the process a little bit rather than going from head coach to guru of all things football with basically no one overlooking other than Craig Reynolds. And Craig Reynolds knows business, but he knows jack about football. Right. So you're absolutely, you're you probably, right. you need that Wally Buono-like character up there to kind of, or like, you know, to oversee it. Or you have John Huffnagel like they do in Calgary over top of everyone else. I, if that exists, maybe we're in a different scenario. But, and I don't disagree with a lot of things you said. There is still very much questions about where this team is headed in terms of Chris Jones. And I'll say it again, if they do actually sign Terrell Owens, we will revisit this and I will change my tune because I'm allowed to do that. But at this point, they worked. They didn't even technically work him out. He was having a workout and Chris Jones showed up. No, and, and <laughs> like, you're absolutely right. So to right. me, it's I, like, okay, just... he was there. They're in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. He's there. Eh. It's weird. It's very typical Chris Jones, but it's still... It's not the it's not the smartest move. It's not the greatest move, but it's a whole lot of nothing to me still. No, you're absolutely right, Joel. I, I do see that side of it. I just I don't know the interview he had afterwards, and it's not. If you're Chris Jones, and you know you're not looking at this guy, even if you happen to be there, I mean, he just to me he didn't play off the I just happen to be here. We're both here kind of thing. No. If you listen to it, it sounds like the Riders, and and there's a good interview. Uh, Rod Peterson did with uh, Farhan Lalji of TSN. It was posted on Facebook this morning or Twitter or wherever I saw it. MySpace? (laughs) MySpace. I would say SoundCloud, but that was our old server host. Um, It just, if you read between the lines with what Rod is saying, Rod is definitely saying, well, they're not offering him a contract today, but... He's definitely interested, and I would say that, you know, uh, he gets ribbed on a lot, but I there are few people, I think, that know the team better than Rod Peterson. The play-by-play man's always going to know stuff. You're around the environment 24-7. Yeah. And for Rod to, to come out, I think if, if I would have listened to that interview with, with Rod and Farhan, and if Rod would have come out and basically said, there's, there's nothing there. There's nothing. He happened to be in town. He watched him work out. No big deal. Rod didn't exactly do that. I'm not saying Rod is a spokesman for Chris Jones, but Rod knows the inner workings of that football team. And that interview, to me, is the one that's a little damning if you're Chris Jones. Yeah, I just I still have a hard time thinking that it's eventually going to happen because I know the quotes. I know it's basically he's got to get into football shape now because he's in great shape for a 44-year-old guy, but he's got to get into football shape and... Does Terrell Owens really want to do that? I don't know. And even if he does, are they really going to invest in a 44-year-old guy? Is a 44-year-old guy really going to come up and probably start on the practice roster? I would be surprised. 
So I just but I but I feel I feel like if everything Terrell Owens is saying, he doesn't need the money. Oh, it's it's, it's, it's not about the money, but I still don't think it's not that he's going to get paid nothing on the practice roster. It's it's just he's well, on a practice roster, and I think if he wants to come up here, he's going to at least want to appear in games. Well, but that's and that's what I that's what I fear though is that you have and this is no fault of Terrell Owens. I think you have a guy that if you were to offer Terrell Owens a spot in a bona fide spot and a contract and a spot on the practice roster, I take him at his word to say he just wants to play ball. And he wants to try. Now there's a novelty to it. He yep. wants to be the first ever to play after being inducted to the Hall of Fame. I think this is a guy with enough money, enough time, and enough celebrity that he would come up, take a spot on the practice roster, take it away from somebody who should probably be in the practice roster because they're not 44 years old. And that is my fear. It's, I think that we're going to, in a week or two's time, there's going to be a press conference in Regina in which Chris Jones is saying, and Terrell Owens are both saying, I'm just here to try. I'm just here to be back on a football field. Yeah. And and and, and, then, and, and, that's, that, and then, that's the kind of story Chris Jones likes too, right? He loves those, and Corey Chamberlain was the same way. They're in a little bit of a different scale. But Terrell, he likes those redemption stories as well. He loves giving guys those shots. And so that's why I also see the appeal for this for Chris Jones. And if, hypothetically speaking, this does end up happening, I have, I have two trains of thoughts in terms of whether this actually happens or not. When it, if it happens or not. The question, number one, for me, when I look at it from my analytical sports roster build kind of brain... This is dumb. There's no point to this. You are not building any kind of sustainable roster with this. Mm-hmm. Then there's the sort of reporter, columnist, hot take artist, whatever, fake news spreader, whatever you want to call me, <laughs> side of me that, you know what, and I've said this in sports sometimes, I love chaos. And yeah, that's fair. this would just be one hell of a story that would really get everyone going here one way or the other and... That's good for business. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. It'll be interesting. I think it's I think it'll be a mistake. I think it's short sighted, but I think it's totally a Chris Jones move. And I think it's gonna happen. I think it's gonna happen, Joel. I think within the next two weeks, he will be added to the rider practice roster. So this is like when Johnny Menzel was going to be the Hamilton Ticats starting quarterback four weeks in? Ooh boy, that place is looking worse every single week. So, it wasn't for, it wasn't for Hamilton. It wasn't four weeks into the season, but Johnny Football got his shot to start a game in the CFL and proved all of his critics at this point right. Not that a lot of us don't think he can't still be a quarterback in this league. Just that it was just clearly, and even his agent was saying it before the game that this is just way too soon. He's not ready. And he wasn't. No, no. He uh, The first pass being picked off was just a setting the tone for the night um, in front of such a big audience and stuff. And But you know what? Did you have a chance to listen to parts of his interview post-game, Joel? That's, I didn't actually see most of the game live, I but I did get home like in time to watch SportsCenter and some of his quotes, which he did handle that very well. And yeah. I also really enjoyed Matt Dunnigan going off the deep end. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, Matt Dunnigan going off the deep end was hilarious. But I, th- I think if you're Johnny Manziel, you're put into such, like, you're put into such a hard spot. 
you're on mm-hmm. the worst team in the league, maybe the worst team either one of us can remember seeing in our adulthood. Yeah. You have four practices. You're thrown into the spotlight because they can't sell tickets. They can't give away tickets in Montreal. Yeah. And you're put into an unfair position for him to step up to the podium and handle it the way he did with very eloquent, very intelligent answers to questions mm-hmm. and not show not throw teammates under the bus like he may have in his younger years, not retire the next day. Mm-hmm. He took his, he took, he, he bled his own blood and went up there and handled it like a pro. And I hate to say it, the way he handled that, just an embarrassment on international television, handled it like a true pro. I, I'm kind of rooting for Johnny now. Yeah, that's that that's that's a fair assessment to make from that. And I think he's going to face an uphill battle with how much of a gong show that organization is. I've said it before, yeah. you could probably take Aaron Rodgers after sitting in a CFL office for three years learning the game into that situation, and he probably wouldn't succeed either. No. So there was I don't think there's really any way unless he rushed for three hundred yards himself in that game, there was no way. Johnny Manziel was going to win that football game, and he was just set up to, to fail by an organization that just has zero clue what it's doing. Yeah. And so he did the best. The best thing he could have done was basically, well, he probably could have played it marginally better and not thrown four picks in the first half, but odds are he was going to lose. Odds are he wasn't going to look great in the process, but he handled himself like a professional after, and I, and I know there's lots of talk right now about after that performance, NFL teams seem to possibly be done with Johnny and blah, 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 blah. But I wonder if someone somewhere along the lines looks back on that and maybe if he progresses a little bit and saw how well he handled that, maybe that's some bonus marks for him to say, you know what, this guy is at least matured a little bit to some degree that he can yeah. come out and handle this gong show of a situation where he probably, even if you read between the lines, said he wasn't ready. And he he could have come out and just threw the team under the bus for that game. If he wanted to, no one would have blamed him, but he didn't. No, and you're absolutely right. And I think if he projects out to be what we think he could be, if he is even a top three CFL quarterback in a year's time, I think the NFL teams will come knocking because he's got a very unique set of skills like Liam Neeson and take him. Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know I really don't know if he's going to get there. Um, not in Montreal. Not in Montreal. No, no. that's that that's the thing. It's funny that uh, that the emergence of Jeremiah Mazzoli might be the thing that kills his NFL dream. Yeah, because I, I I think and he looked good in the preseason. I think you put Johnny on that Hamilton roster, and again, if Mazzoli didn't turn out to be the quarterback that he thought, which, which by the way, Jeremiah, if you ever happen to hear that hot take, I, I, I'm sorry, I was wrong, horrifically wrong, spectacularly wrong, nothing personal. Um, I think if Johnny's on that Ticats roster, I think they're still winning football games. They're at least in football games. They're not losing oh, by yeah. like a 200 points. No, but I mean, Montreal was losing by 200 points. The Blue Bombers earlier with Drew Willie back there. So, I mean... Yeah. If anybody's used to losing by 200, it's those Alouettes. <laughs> so at the other end of the spectrum, there was a quarterback who made his debut this week, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, the anti-NASCAR driver, the guy with three last names. <laughs> 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 uh, 
a friend of mine said never trust a man with two first names. But what about a guy to a man with three last names? Apparently, he makes incredible second half comebacks in his CFL debut oh. because I, I had I had my own ball game to watch that uh, to play that night, so I didn't really see the game. But I was sitting there, I opened my phone at one point, I look at halftime, it's like 28-7 Ottawa. I'm like, well, this is, debut is going well for him. Put my phone away for the rest of the night, come back afterwards, crack open a beer, hanging out with the, the team after, and I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, huh, they came back to win that football game. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I was, uh, I was on the late shift at my real job at Oakwood Nissan. I uh, got to drop that in there, of course. Um, so I was working till 9. And same thing, had some customers a little earlier in the evening, right around halftime. I'm like, well, this one's a snoozer. I don't have to pay attention. But the way the TV set up in the showroom is I can see it perfectly from my office. Mm-hmm. And my interest went from like, okay, work, kind of glance at TV, to TV and kind of glance at work to the point that one of the, the only salesperson that was available that night, and there could have been customers walking the door. We watched the last three minutes of that game because it was just, it was everything the CFL <laughs> is great for. and. Yep. Huzzah for good old Mr. Three Last Names. He might shank you, because that's apparently what a guy with three last names will do. He might rip your heart out, but only if you're an Ottawa Red Blacks fan. Yeah, it's, 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 it was incredible to kind of look back and see what happened in this game. And you, you don't see that from guys making their first CFL starts. And the guy, I mean, McLeod looked pretty good in the preseason as well. Like, there was legitimate questions about whether he was going to be the backup or James Franklin was going to be the backup. And I think on pedigree, Franklin got there. But now, now the questions, I think, start to arise, especially if he builds off of this and this, and he, for lack of a better term, saves the Argo season the way it's yeah. going. I mean, this oh, this changes the entire discussion of everything that's gone on in the CFL for the last, like, what, three years about James Franklin? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was one of the few guys beating this drum saying, whoa, 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 what's he done? Everyone yeah. was saying he needs to come to Saskatchewan. He's the next big thing. And he, he still could turn into a good CFL quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But I was told, I was like, whoa, whoa, let's, let's back off a little bit. Okay, he has the tools, but what's he done? He's had a few spot starts with Edmonton, a pretty good team. But who, what really had James Franklin done in his career to that point compared to basically all the other sort of backup quarterbacks within his realm that we were talking about at that point? Yeah. And so I'm not saying that James Franklin is done. I'm not saying he can't turn into something, but maybe he wasn't worth giving up assets for after all. Well, this is also a team that gave up assets for Drew Willie, so <laughs> that was that was a different regime. But yes, <laughs> yeah, good, good old Jim Barker. Yeah, so it's it just and this is a guy that Mark Tressman seems to like, and Mark yeah. Tressman is very good with quarterbacks, as we know. And it's it's it's, it's interesting now that. Maybe he's found his next quarterback in Toronto when they badly could have used Tressman after Calvio retired in Montreal <laughs> to develop someone there because they've had like 700 quarterbacks since Calvio retired. And now, potentially without Ricky Ray for the rest of his career, Mark Tressman might already have his next guy. No, and I, and I think he does. But you know how he trains quarterbacks. He says, if you win games, I'll talk to you with my hat on. If you lose, I'll take my hat off and I'll give you all the jibbles. Okay. <laughs> He's a good hat. He, I wouldn't get in the van with him if he was not wearing a hat. <laughs> all right. That's like he could have free candy splattered on the side if he's wearing a hat. Well, hey, Mark, I'm in. If he is, um, if he's not wearing a hat, stranger danger, call 911. That man's up to something when he doesn't wear a hat. <laughs> <laughs>